This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody and welcome to your latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast in association with Fussy 5, the new score prediction from the pools. Simply predict five correct match scores and you could win £25,000. To play Fussy 5 for free this weekend, visit thepools.com. You must be over 18 and in the UK to play. I'm over 18. I'm also in the UK to play. I am Christian Walsh and I'm your host today. And joining me, I am delighted to say, is our full-time Liverpool correspondent, both home and away, James Pearce. How the devil are you? Not too bad, thanks, Chris. Yourself? Um, I'm not bad at all. Good good night last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, savoured a little bit of the uh, the after party after the uh, the Steven Gerrard film. So uh, obviously, with it being a school night, not too late. But um, yeah, it was decent. What time did you roll into here? Rolled into here about two hours after I should have done. The, um, yeah, it was one of them ones where you wake up and you, you suddenly think, oh, it should be all right. The alarm ain't gone off yet. And then you realise it's because your battery on your phone's flat and it's it's actually half 11. The, um, yeah, thank, thankfully I hadn't missed too much. No, no, you've you, you, you picked the right week for it really, haven't you? <laughs> and uh, also with me is uh, Connor Dunn. How are you, Connor? I'm very well, thank you, Christian. How are you? I'm good. And I know you're saying that with a lot of sincerity, unlike when you talk to Ian Doyle and you don't actually care how oh, he I is. I genuinely care how you are, but on the other hand, Ian's breath stinks, so what can you do about that? <laughs> <laughs> my word this that's the whole break. Pod, that, that one. <laughs> <laughs> so what didn't stink last night was Trent Alexander-Arnold and his uh, performance against the United States of America I mean it's it's a schoolboy stuff isn't it really you know scoring your first goal for England I know a lot of Liverpool fans don't necessarily care that much about England but you know for Trent it's a massive moment James, I know he's had a bit of a sticky spell lately, but the rise just continues for Trent, doesn't it? He's 20 years of age. What a moment. Yeah, and I think you're right. You know, A lot of Liverpool fans will think, you know, in terms of the, the general England thing, you know, who's really that bothered, you know, a, a pointless friendly against America. But I actually think that will have massive benefits for Liverpool and the knock-on effect of... Because he has looked short of confidence, especially probably over the last month or so, you know, you can just see there's been times where things haven't gone well for him. It's been like, you know, really the only, well, the first real tough spell for him um, since he broke into the first team. Um, you know, he, for so long, everything he touched turned to gold and, you know, the amazing run to the Champions League final, playing in the World Cup for England. Um, and then, yeah, after a little tough period when he's been in and out of the team at Liverpool, I think going away with England and scoring that goal, you know, that, that should you know, ensure that he returns to Melwood next week with a, a real spring in his step, and it was a it was a cracking finish as well. You know, it was uh, you know took hit it so so sweetly, and um, yeah, just just you know an- another milestone for for him that he'll he'll absolutely cherish forever. Right backs don't normally strike the ball like that, do they, Connor? To be honest, no. Um, and he's not looked entirely like a right back, has he? Like you know, you can see him as a right midfielder. You can see him going down that right, you know, crossing balls. You know, he's got a serious dead ball. Um, hit as well so yeah he's obviously got a lot more in his locker to offer than his traditional right back has and that can only be a good thing I mean I'll throw the question out there James is he going to be playing right back for the rest of his career it's an interesting one isn't it I think I got the impression a couple of years ago that the the staff at the academy were were convinced he would be a central midfielder and that um, and you know almost in the Steven Gerrard mould really in terms of starting life at, at, at full back and then and then kind of Pushing further up upfield, obviously Klopp did did play him a couple of times, didn't he? In, in centre midfield, um, when he when he filled, he kind of changed teams in the Premier League towards the back end of last season. Um, but I don't know. I, I've got the impression, you know, when Klopp's spoken about it more recently, um, that he he seemed that may, maybe you know, in actual fact, maybe he is he is a right back, and that and that there isn't. I don't I don't get that sense anymore that they feel as if that will be his natural progression into centre midfield. And I think also in, in the modern game, especially under Klopp, you know, the fullbacks are so important mm-hmm. to the way that Liverpool operate that it's, it's maybe not like it was 15, 20 years ago where you'd say someone with his natural ability would be almost, you say, oh, they were wasted, you know, too good to be playing right back. Steve Gerrard. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. So it'd be interesting to see what happens. I mean, he's still so young, isn't he? I think that's why you know, he's, I've, I've seen you know, he's taken a bit of stick on social media at times this season for for you know not performing at the the unbelievable level he was last season but you you know I keep having to like say to people he's just turned 20 
You know, this that's an age where most most kids in the academy system that age are still dreaming of making the step up to the senior setup, let alone having already played, you know, 50 odd games or what for Liverpool. Um, so, yeah, he, I mean, he's, he's just such a, an exciting talent. Um, and yeah, just brilliant to see him back with a spring in his step because, uh, you know, after after a little tough spell. Do you think it has been a little bit unfair, the criticism that he's received this season, Connor? Or do you think we're just seeing sort of a natural, not a plateau because, you know, obviously there's more developments to come, but is, was this always going to happen where he, he hits a bit of a, a flat spot before he hopefully kicks on again? Yeah, of course. It's always going to happen, isn't it? With any young player who's had a meteoric rise like Trent has, it's going to naturally plateau at some point because you can't keep going up and up and up like that. It's, it's physically impossible. Yeah. Um, he's obviously looked a little bit frustrated in the last couple of weeks. I've already looked a bit frustrated at Fulham. He just looked when things weren't quite going his way. But as James has said, you know, this goal for England's clearly meant a lot to him. He spoke out about his first goal and, you know, he's obviously really proud of that moment and that should really help him. But yeah, I think the criticism that he's come on doing a little bit of the fans having a bit of a leveler at him it's been a little bit unfair just because you can't expect a, what is essentially a kid you know I think what I was doing at 20 at university and what he's done in his career already it just is so vast even to most 20 year olds on the planet let alone even in like the academy setups or anything so I think you just got to give him a little bit of time and let him come through this period that's naturally going to happen and crack on and hopefully we'll just you know to do exactly that. I think it's a good point, that because when I was 20, I wasn't even reaching Champions League finals on Football Manager. <laughs> so, you know, exactly. it's, it, I, I, do you think it's harder though, James? I mean, you've obviously seen it now with a number of local lads who come through the academy. Do you reckon they get scrutinised a little bit harder because, I don't know if there's a jealousy there, an inherent jealousy, or if it's just because people want them to do so well because they are local lads? Is it harder for a local lad to, to make his mark on this team? Yeah, I think I think it is. It's been interesting, actually, over the years, hearing Jamie Carragher talk about that, and he often used to say that he felt that the scrutiny placed on the on you know him and, and Stephen Gerrard when they were in the, in their prime was was greater than other players that you know almost like you know because you're a local lad the responsibility is so much greater you know when when especially when times are difficult you know people look to you all the time and 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 that is a bit of a burden i think you know it's for, so far for trent you know it, it's been an absolute inspiration for him i think you know the fact that he's a boy of liverpool fan his family are all reds um you know to 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 have the pathway that he's had you know he's in, you know that that spurs him on but yeah there will certainly be periods you know it's only been a little lull hasn't it so far this season i wouldn't say you know his, his form has been massively worrying but um yeah there, that that's something he's going to have to 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 handle because i think yeah inevitably because he, he is a local player Pete fans will look to him to, to you know to provide that inspiration at times and um you know, it, it you know it, it's kind of an inspiration and a and a burden at the same time. I think when when you've grown up, you know, with the club, you know, absolutely ingrained in you like that. Of course, everything he achieves means so much more because he's achieving it for Liverpool. Um, but also, you know, when when things aren't going well, you know, you you feel that 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 kind of expectation and pressure on you probably more than if 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 you weren't from this area. And he almost becomes an ambassador, doesn't he? I mean. He's he's the the only local lad in the team now. I mean, he stops a lot to talk to the press, doesn't he? He does a lot of the the, the press trinkets in general. You know, he does the interviews with the club website. He does TV. There's that pressure as well, isn't there? Because you are almost the face of the club because you you project the, the you know the local elements of the club to to the world. Yeah, he is, and you know, he's for someone so young. He's a, he's a brilliant talker as well. He, um, you know, you're almost used to speaking to you know young players these days and obviously with all the media training they get it can be quite difficult to to, to really have you know establish some kind of rapport and um with them but yeah you know Trent is very natural when he he does interviews and you know he I think you know for someone so young as well you know I think he gets it in in terms of that that wider responsibility and he and he's embraced it so so far um you know the, the great work he does for an, an hour for others the Merseyside charity that helps people in need. Um, you know, I think Henry Winter did a piece in the Times recently about um, you know what he's got planned for Christmas Day in terms of I think Liverpool will be training on Christmas Day morning, but after that, you know, he'll he'll be you know in the hotel T on Anfield Road, helping to serve dinner for you know for uh, for dozens and dozens of of disadvantaged people who you know would would have a pretty miserable Christmas if if that wasn't there for them. And you know he's you know that that's not some kind of 
image or PR game where someone, you know, a, a flash agent is is looking after his his brand, if you like. You know, that that just is him. You know, it's I know from speaking to Alex Inglethorpe at the Academy, you know, he he said that, you know, the the, the most refreshing thing about Trent is the people he surrounds himself with. You know, he, he said, you know, he, I think being a, a, an academy director can be tough at times when you're desperately trying to keep young players on the straight and narrow and some of them don't have very good influences around them and you're dealing with agents who all they care about is the bottom line. Um, with, with Trent, you know, it, it was the absolute opposite. You know, he, his, his family have, you know, have kept him so grounded. Um, you know, his brother, uh, Tyler, is his agent now. And, um, you know, I, I think... You know that that really helps the fact that um, you know he, he's he's embraced everything about being a Liverpool player because you know as we know you know it's it, there's a, there's so much more to it than simply what you produce for ninety minutes on the pitch. And just saying that though, Connor, does it sort of highlight Liverpool's strength in depth that we're, we're talking about this player? You know, fantastic young player, and he's not even guaranteed the stars in Liverpool's team. Yeah, no, massively, it's that thing we've been talking about all season isn't it and they have got a, a strength and depth pretty much all over the place now which is fantastic to see and it's exactly what Klopp's wanted ever since he came in pretty much um, and yeah you can obviously praise Trent to the absolute high heavens about the talent he is and he is an incredible talent at that but yeah there is obviously competition even for places for people as good as Trent so yes and that's good isn't it because it, it means course, that they don't yeah they play you know, for their they places don't yeah. they yeah they play for their places they play because they want to keep their place in the starting 11 keep their place on the pitch impress Klopp and that's only going to drive the whole performance of the team up brilliant so you know let's, let's say that's Trent done um, <laughs> what isn't done I think and something that will rumble on and on is the fallout from the Premier League meeting that was held on uh, on Thursday in London James, Richard Scudamore, he's just been handed £5 million um, over three years, I believe. Um, number one, what type of golden handshake are you hoping for when you leave the Echo? <laughs> because you'll be lucky to get a cup of tea yeah, off me. 50p in a curly <laughs> uh, But, you know, in all seriousness, it, it's not a good look, is it? No, it's just been an absolute PR disaster, hasn't it, for, I think, all of the, the Premier League clubs. I mean, obviously, they were... I know that they were desperate to keep this quiet. You know, it's um, you know it wasn't not surprisingly. I think they they knew that there would be a backlash if this got out into the public domain. Um, just just a ridiculous idea, isn't it? By you know Bruce Buck floated the idea, and um, you know Liverpool haven't so far haven't commented on it, which you know I think is massively disappointing. And it you know obviously trying to trying to set up an interview with Peter Moore, the CEO, was at it was at London. I know uh, journalists who were at the meeting. On Thursday, tried to get some comment off him. You know, he was. He, he said he was jumping on the train, and you know, he was. He was at the uh, Stephen Gerrard premiere at Fact on the on Thursday night. But um, yeah, so far, no explanation as, as to as to why Liverpool think that 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 plan was is justified. Um, you know, I, I get the fact that you know when you read when you actually read the statement, you know, it's 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 effectively a sweetener to stop him working for anyone else, isn't it? Over the next few years, that. I don't really get who who would we who would he go and work with? He's, he's going to go. Is he going to start? Yeah. yeah, is he going to going to transform the League of Wales? Yeah, into exactly. Like, and into a like global superpower. Billion. Yeah, I d- I'm just not quite too sure. You know, it, the UEFA it, Nations League. Yeah, it, you know, it, it it smacks of just you know, it's a it's a golden handshake, isn't it? Five million quid. You know, you've you've made us all incredibly rich. Thanks very much. We're making you a bit a bit richer. There you go. Um, yeah, just it's just massively out of step with reality when you think of everything else going on in the world at the moment. The fact that, you know, before every home game, you've got food bank collections outside Anfield. You know, how, how does that sit with, you know, the, 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 a fella who's, you know, what is he on? Two, two million a year anyway. Yeah. It's, you know, he, he's been paid handsomely for, you know, in, you know, you'd have to, you'd have, you know, regardless of, you know whether you love or loathe the way modern football is. You'd have to say, from a business perspective, Scudamore did a fantastic job in terms of the revenues and the way that the Premier League has been transformed. But he's been handsomely rewarded for that already. So the idea that he deserves another five million quid as a, as a as a thank you for doing his job properly, um, yeah, it's it's just it's a spectacular own goal for for football clubs and. Yeah, massively disappointing as well that Liverpool so far haven't come out to you know to to make a stand against it. Fans have got a right to be angry, haven't they, Connor? You just cannot quite believe how outrageously out of touch it is. Just 
it does beg belief every time you think he's getting five million quid. But like, what extra? It's, it's, it's absolutely mental. Like, you know, you talk about the food banks outside the games, which, yeah, massive money could go to that. It'd be great use of that cash. Grassroots football, those people are calling for. There's just so much better that, that could go to. It's not like he's struggling for cash. It's not like he needs the cash. I don't understand it at all. I'm sure pretty much every fan that has not a clue what they were thinking what they're still thinking if Liverpool try to raise ticket prices next season for example this is, it's, it's just going to be it's it's going to bite them on the backside surely because you can just point to this now and say well yeah. what's going on I saw a tweet actually gained quite a, little, quite a bit of traction and it was just quite literally someone saying I know for a fact that all the Liverpool fans would appreciate getting 25 quid knocked off their PSG ticket more than Scudamore will probably appreciate this 5 million quid that he's getting and that's just the whole concept of it it's mad I just think the fans have got every right to be absolutely fuming you imagine the backlash if clubs start raising their ticket prices next year off of, after this I it mean, would just be outrageous is it a case of everybody looking after each other do you do you, do you feel James in, in terms of there's, there's 20 clubs there and as you say he's made the Premier League into what it is is this just the case of the, the most powerful clubs of all United and gone well you know off, off your path thanks very much for, for that because yeah. you've sort of made it for what we are yeah I mean it, it certainly looks like that and I think obviously with clearly the, the all the top clubs wanted him hanging around during this transition period to the new new CEO of the Premier League and you know and, and felt that five million quid was a, a price worth paying b- between them to to kind of help that transition and then you know this this bizarre thing that then to stop him taking his expertise elsewhere, which, you know, as we said before, I'm not quite sure you know, that I can't really get my head around well, that in well, terms we, of where, where he would go and what they were worried about. But Robert Elston was at Everton um, and he went to the Super League as, as the chief executive. He's not, he's not, they're not competing. You know, it's not, they're not competing now. The rugby league can't take any sort of work away from Everton football club. So I, I, as you say, you just don't see where this has come no. into it. No. And I, and you know, we're obviously, still trying to get an official response from Liverpool to this. Um, you know, I spoke to a few people yesterday and that they, they were adamant that this, it, it's not as, as it looks in terms of, it's not like every club has written a check out for 250 grand that it, this 5 million pound is coming from a central Premier League fund over the next three years. But, you know, still, you know, you still have to ask yourself, well, hang on a minute, well, where's that 5 million yeah. quid come from? You know, it's still, it's still money, coming into the, the, the Premier League but sitting there. That, yeah. Is, yeah isn't, but, that, isn't that just akin to, you know, you paying for a pizza in, in, in a joint account yeah. and saying it didn't come from you? Exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. So, yeah, it doesn't, I don't think that washes the idea that just because it, it's not like they've all written a checkout for 250 grand this week that it's, that somehow makes it, makes it okay. Um, but it's just, yeah, I think it's just a latest example of how a lot of the people that run football these days are just, so out of out of sync with the the, the people that pay their hard earned cash to go and watch their team every week. And then in a, an attempt to very bad news, um, they brought in VAR. So <laughs> timing, that, wasn't yeah, it? exactly. Yeah, let's just let's just do it on the on the day that the you know the the conservative government's crumbling mm. as, as as we see as well. Very suspect. Yeah, it, it was a, it was a busy day. I don't know what uh, <laughs> national newspapers would have gone with to be honest on the front or the back. Um, but yeah, VAR looks like it's set to come into the Premier League next season. Connor, are you a fan? Do you know what? I am. Um, I think it's a really good thing. I think it's going to take out a lot of the contentious issues and the way the pace of the game moves now, I think it's going to help referees out a lot. Um, I know people have spoken about if that was brought in that the Liverpool goal wouldn't have counted against Fulham, but actually it still would have, I think, because the referee would stop it in the next break of play, which would have been Liverpool's goal. So obviously we've got to see how it works and it might have a little bit of teething problems, but I do think it's going to come to be a good thing. Um, I know there's some chatter around the office. Um, Dan Kay, who sometimes fe- featured on this podcast, saying he's watching a Dortmund versus Munich, Bayern Munich game, which had the VAR um, in it already. And he said it was one of the best games he'd ever seen. Um, there was none of this nonsense about the referee going off the pitch to check or anything like that. It was just done by the people in the studio and wired into him while it was all going on. So if that's how it works, all well and good. I think... You know, I'll come out and say I'm not against it, but I'm I'm, I'm sceptical in general about about it. But I do think that Liverpool supporters are maybe clouded a little bit in their experience of it so far. Not just because of the poor results that they got against West Brom and Chelsea, but Anfield hasn't got any video screens. So when it's happening, you don't actually know what's happening. And I think if it's in a stadium where there's you know video screens to say a VAR check is happening, you know, a little bit like the World Cup, that's fine. 
I mean, do you see that being be an advantage, James, or is it, is it something that you just don't want to see at all? Do you know what? That, that was the first thing I thought of yesterday when I heard it. We're bringing it in. Well, you know, what's what's the deal going to be with, with video screens? Because surely if you're going to bring it in, every ground is going to have to have screens. And yeah. I don't know where Anfield, they, they would put that. Um, you can't have Anthony Taylor on the sideline looking at a Toshiba no. 32 inch. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's <laughs> well, ridiculous. No, you think how it works at the cricket. You think how it works at tennis. There's big screens in every single yeah. stadium just for people to watch the Hawkeyes. So because I think needs it. I was chatting to a few people about this yesterday in terms of the, the big annoyance for that, that West Brom game was was what well, two things one was how ridiculously long everything took and it just absolutely killed the flow of the game and 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 the, the second thing was that the fans there didn't have a clue what was going on and you can't you can't have that you know I, I know again going back to the people that seem to run football now don't really seem to give two hoots about the the, the people that travel everywhere we see that with kickoff times um you know, you know, Liverpool have got a ridiculous one coming up on their way at Bournemouth, twelve thirty. You know, on a on a Saturday, um, but on this, surely they they're going to have to do it so that the people you, you can't just have it so that it's a great experience for the people watching on TV around the world. You, you're going to have to have it so that every ground is screened, so people in in the ground know what's going on. Um, you think of I, a ground like Bournemouth, though? Where are they going to put it? Well, that's the thing. I mean, and, and it's. It's not, not actually that long, is it? Really, in terms of you know, no, if they're going to do all. that, you know, in terms of what they got eight, nine months mm. or whatever to to turn it round. Plus, but, to um, put it in place before that for any teething problems, any issues. Gonna yeah, be six more like, isn't it? I mean, in, in general, I quite like. I I I am a fan of VAR in terms of, as Connor said, I think the ref, the game's that quick now, and there's so much at stake that I think giving referees help. You know, you know, you look at the, the the Mane goal that was disallowed at Arsenal the other week. Um, you know that you know that's an example where you know it would have, would have certainly helped get get big decisions right. But my, my fear is even watching it during the World Cup that I don't know. It's just the problem is it, it's it's not actually going to. I saw someone tweeted me yesterday saying, "Well, that you know it'll make reporters and pundits out of out of jobs because there'll be nothing to talk about in terms of the the controversies." But I think from what we've seen for VR so far, it's still subjective. In a number yeah. of, you know, like we see, it, saw it in the World Cup with handballs, didn't we? That suddenly things that weren't handball just because it, it brushed an arm or something suddenly they were given handball for any penalties for absolutely everything. So um, yeah, it's I, I'm a fan that's coming in, but I do worry in terms of are they going to get it right because. I, I haven't seen VAR work like it should do in terms of getting the, getting the decisions right and also the, the time thing in terms of slowing everything down. And the most important thing for me is they have to make sure that the fans inside the stadiums n- know what's going on. I mean, you mentioned the fans there, James. Connor, do you think it will take away the spontaneity a little bit from supporters? Think about Ragnar Klavan's goal against Burnley last minute. Everyone just goes wild, but, you know, is it sort of, is it offside, is it onside? Fans won't really be able to celebrate that now until two minutes after the fact, and by that, the, by that time, the moment's gone. You know, so it, it just feels like if there's a scramble and there's a goal in the last minute, it's sort of an MVAR happens. It's you just don't know. I know it works for maybe cricket, and people still celebrate when you know a, a ball's called out or whatever. But it, will it not remove something that makes football so special to us all? Yeah, see, I don't know if it will or not, because I guess it just depends exactly how they're going to use it. Using that example in its on its own, fans pretty much cheer, you know, you pretty much get excited if a goal goes in despite it being offside. Or even when it's clear, you still sometimes go up and you get a bit like, oh, if it hits the side netting. I think no matter what, there's still that excitement that the ball's gone in the net. And in that, you know, the goal mouth scrambles, I think you will be buzzing. I guess if it's going to work, like there's somebody in the studio watching everything and they're doing it straight away and the referee's just going with it and it's getting wired down to his ears and it's that smooth, then perfect. If they do have it, say for, say for say it does go like the cricket or the tennis where they have to review it, then that is going to be a major, major issue, isn't it? Because people are going to cheer and they will sit back in their seats and have to wait for a minute or 30 seconds, however long it takes them to decide if it's a goal or not. And that will, you know, it will kill a lot of the atmosphere. I know it will, but you've just got to hope that they're planning for that. And they're going to get that right, as you said. You've got to hope that, haven't you? <laughs> and just the final bit on VAR, I've seen a couple of theories thrown out there that this will actually hinder Liverpool because of the style of football they play. I don't know if you've read anything about this, but the idea is that you know Liverpool are a team who sort of walk a tightrope in terms of the pressing, or certainly from last season, the way they, they press the ball, the way they can, you know, they're quite physical, they can push players off the ball and 
there seems to be a worry that VAR will sort of stop them from doing that sometimes because it'll get reviewed and the referee will decide it's a, it's a foul. You know, it'll, it'll disrupt the flow of Liverpool's game ultimately when they, they can create these spells, admittedly not this season, where, yeah. you know, there's, the game is so fast and so frantic and there's no respite for the for the opposition, whereas VAR just sort of slows that down, stops it and will stop Liverpool getting any sort of momentum behind them. Yeah, I, I can I can certainly see that perspective because um, you, you're right. You know that that is the the fear that it does just slow everything everything down, and that that doesn't suit Liverpool in terms of you know when Klopp's team are at his best in terms of the tempo and intensity they they like to play with. So um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. You know, obviously they've said it's coming in, but we don't really know exactly you know how how it's gonna how it's gonna be put put into practice yet. I mean. I'm, Talk about it. Obviously, they've had it in the Bundesliga for a while now. There was one Bundesliga game last season. I remember watching where they actually went off at half time yeah. and had to come back out. I think was it to take a penalty? Yeah, I think it was Augsburg. I think maybe Leverkusen. Like, crazy. Mm. They, they, they basically had players had like gone in the changing room and had to come back out, take the penalty, then go back in for half time again. And you know, it's so you know even in places where you know they've had it for a while. There's you know still, there's that, that that's the only worry that. <laughs> in a way it sounds perfect to, to to get to help referees to get decisions right but the danger is it, it creates you know a lot of issues elsewhere and the, the time thing as well because I remember that West Brom game I'm, I'm sure that time didn't get added on I can't remember oh it was it was absolutely ridiculous. it happened in the World Cup as well it, it just it didn't it should be the yeah. clock should be stopped well, that's, yeah that, that's the other thing I was thinking that surely they're gonna have to yeah the clock will have to be stopped because yeah, that 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 West Brom game. It should have been about fifteen minutes of added time, just with how long. I think it was Paulson, wasn't it? The ref, mm. and just yeah, it was, you know, there must have been two or three breaks of like three or four minutes every time before. I think it was the, it was the Salah penalty one, wasn't it? When he was he had about six looks at it before he, he gave it. Um, That's the thing as well, isn't it? For the referees, obviously they're under a load of pressure anyway, and everything they do is scrutinised. If they've then got the view and the replays that everyone says they need, and they still get it wrong, it's going to be horrendous. So they they're going to take their time, obviously, aren't they? Because they don't want to have all of the technology in the world and make the wrong decisions. So that's going to that's going to be another issue in itself. Well, what I want to know as well. Let's take the Liverpool goal at the weekend against Fulham. Connie, your scenario where they continue because it's mm-hmm. not the stop play. What happens if the goal is Liverpool's goal is disallowed. They go back, they check it, they see that um, that it wasn't a goal for for Fulham, and you start all over again. Well, that fourteen seconds where Salah broke and scored, that sort of doesn't count anymore. That's dead time. If you see what I mean, because it it almost doesn't exist because the first in right, fact, so you see so what I mean. If the break of play is not that quick. Then you've technically, if it's a minute, say you've yeah. lost that minute because you're going back for the goal kick or the offside or whatever it might be. Exactly. Yeah, where it just it's just going to have to be a wait and see. So thing, let's say a penalty it? gets awarded, but the, the play goes on for another minute, and then they come back to it and then award the penalty. Is that added time or what happens? Is, to what that happens minute? to that minute, yeah, which yeah. basically doesn't. This is a great point. <laughs> so no anything that happens in that minute, does it then get you know in terms of? People that collect stats in terms of passes exactly. and touches or and, a yellow card, and, yeah, a yellow, like, exactly, <laughs> and it, you know, an injury as well, you yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yellow cards a break of play or yeah. what, yeah. yeah. And the, the other thing, anyway. like, from what I've seen of it, is it seems like the actual guy, the video assistant ref, doesn't quite often doesn't want to make the decision, so he then tells the ref, you know, you probably need to have a look at this yourself. So, you know, so that again, you know, you think. I just hope the video assistant refs are going to have the balls to actually make decisions themselves rather than saying. You know this pointless thing of you know you, you're gonna have to come to the touchline and have a look yourself because yeah, yeah it's it, I think the theory is right but God knows how it's gonna work in practice. I tell you what, I'd be worried. I'd be I'd be in a strong union if I was one of those fifth or sixth referees that stand behind the goal because I I, I don't think they're long for this world anymore. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they're neither use nor ornaments at the minute, but I, I think they're, they're a little they're bit of, they're in a bit They'll be asking worry. for two hundred fifty grand off every club. <laughs> the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast. Uh, just the last thing as well from, you know, very quickly on that uh, Premier League meeting was the fact that the transfer window is going to remain as it is and it will shut the day before the season begins. Jürgen Klopp is a fan of that under one provision and that is that the other leagues around Europe uh, shut at the same time. But the problem is that it doesn't look like they're going to do that. So what it means is that 
while Liverpool and all the other Premier League teams cease to to do their business on August 10th or whenever, it means the likes of Barcelona and Real Madrid have got another two weeks to do their wheeling and dealing. We, it was sort of predicted, wasn't it, that it would it would pan out and it'd be this awful thing for the Premier League last last summer. Didn't really work out like that, you know. It wasn't as if I think people were a little bit worried, mainly Ian Doyle, that you know Real Madrid will come in with a three hundred million pound bid for Mo Salah, you know, and Liverpool. He was trying to sell be, all of them, wasn't he? Yeah, that week before the end of the window. Please take them so I can. Mane looks more. unhappy. <laughs> I don't think Mo is very happy anymore. <laughs> so that didn't transpire last summer, but you know, Klopp obviously is it's something that he's he's spoken about. What's your take on it, Connor? Obviously, for us, it'd be great if it went on to August thirty first for for the sweet sweet audience. But you know, in general, is it a good idea to shut to shut it before? I think Klopp's exactly right in what he says. It's a good idea to shut before the season starts because you don't get any of those issues during the start of the season when there's all this wheeling dealing going on. But you do need everyone to shut at the same time because although it didn't cause any problems for the Premier League or any particular problems. There is the massive potential that it could, isn't there? Like, you know, you have got Barcelona and Madrid sitting with buckets of cash who can come in for your players, not necessarily Liverpool's. They're not necessarily a selling club anymore. But, you know, there are other teams in the league. They might go to Tottenham, for example. You, you just never know. And if that does come in those last two weeks where they have got that extra time, it's just going to cause all manner of issues, isn't it? So Klopp is, I think, spot on in what he says. What do you reckon, James? Yeah, I think I think he's right. I think it's... It was definitely the right thing to do, but it only works if all the other major leagues do the do the same thing. I mean, it didn't really have too much of an effect on Liverpool this year, just because you know I, I don't think there was you know if you if you went back to the previous year, obviously when you had the Coutinho situation, I think that was what one of Klopp's concerns: the fact that you know in the, you know after the the, the window is shut, that big clubs overseas can can still upset you know unsettle your players right up to the end of August. Um, and I think the other the other part of it is that feeling that, and I think I think Klopp did actually speak about this, where he felt that the clubs were almost waiting until the English window had shut, and and then trying to get fringe players on the cheap, thinking, well, you know, they you know they're desperate to get rid of them. You know, there's the English window was shut, so you know we'll be able to get an Origi for. I was going to say, did that happen to Origi a little bit the, in the um, summer? Do you, do you think if it, if yeah. it was a bit different, Origi would be well, gone? I think Liverpool were pretty irked that. Yeah, Dortmund tried tried to get him on loan basically, mm. and uh, you know, and you know, absolutely through the through the offer, you know, uh, you know, in the bin straight away. But um, yeah, it's you know, I, th- I think in in jet is again, it's 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 a it's the it's the right right thing to do in theory in terms of not having that you know that all that uncertainty and chopping and changing in terms of signings after the the season's got underway, which is what the managers wanted, but. You know the problem is until the other major leagues fall into line, it's um, yeah, it's not an ideal situation. On transfers as well, James, um, you wrote a piece which went down very well on social media, <laughs> uh, saying that Liverpool were not going to sign a player in uh, January, specifically um, Usman Dembele. I mean, what can you tell us about the non-pursuit of Dembele? Um, <laughs> why are you ruining everybody's lives? Do you get a kick out of making people cry? Announce for care. <laughs> the um, uh, yeah, I do get a kick out of making people cry. Yeah, yeah, S- a sadistic streak. Uh, no, I don't. No, no. In fact, I was. I was some, You're just dealing facts, though. Some, you, some random fella came up to me at the bar last night and said, um, and said, he said, oh, you know, we we, we ate you on our WhatsApp group. I said, oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, many thanks, thank you. Thanks very much. He said. Uh, did, did he he said we were all getting excited about Dembele. He said uh, for about five minutes, and then one of the lads had, had tweeted the link to your story. He said like. Couldn't you have let us have like, have like an hour to just think we were signing Dembele and the um, but no, it's you know, Liverpool are adamant that um, that he, he's not a player they're pursuing. I think that speculation, you know, I, I remember being at Chelsea back in was it early May when Liverpool lost then, and there'd been talk. Well, there'd been two two stories I think doing the rounds that day. One was that for Liverpool had signed for Keir during the game that they they I think that was France Radio saying that the deal was done. And um, and then the second one was that he was he was he was signing Dembele as well, and I think Klopp being Klopp kind of fueled it a bit afterwards in the Stamford bit, saying, "Oh, you know, uh, you know, I, I didn't even know Dembele was available, but you know, I, I'm excited now, I'm interested now," kind of thing, jokingly. Um, and then obviously, yeah, since then it hasn't gone away. I think there was talk of what was it 85 million pound bid for him, um, but no, I mean, some people will say, "Well, you know, of course Liverpool will knock it down, blah blah blah," but. Um, no, I, I think 
I think I think Klopp is being genuine when he says he's happy with what he's got. Um, well, he's on record. You asked him, didn't you? And he's yeah, on record yeah. saying that. He, I mean, I think his quote was something crazy would have to happen. And you know, I think you, you you look at that squad, and I know you know people always want more, don't they? You know, you're never going to get a situation where all the fans are going to go, "No, we're you know, absolutely fine. Don't need to sign anyone." But um, you know, I, you, you could make a case, couldn't you, for a Fakir type in mm. terms of another attacking player? But no, I think. Klopp in general, you know, doesn't really do much in the January window, does he? I and mean, obviously last January was different because of Van Dijk, but that was that was almost like... Well, the two years previous, they've brought in pretty much no one to the yeah. first team, have they? Marley Stephen was Corker. an archer, Stephen Corker, game changer. Marco <laughs> Grimic, yeah. but I mean, he yeah. didn't want him. Well, yeah. not that he didn't want him, sorry, he had already been agreed Yeah, and obviously then he ended up staying at Red Star, yeah. didn't he, for the, the, the second half of that season. And yeah, even, even Van Dijk, was, it wasn't it wasn't the normal it? type yeah. of January signing, was it? It was essentially... Liverpool had signed him the previous summer, but ended up having to wait five months because they they made a, a, a pig's ear of, of getting that deal done. Um, so no, I I I think it will be a quiet January window. I think the interesting thing will be whether a couple do move on. Um, you know, obviously, you, you think about the players who aren't really getting much of a look in. You know, the likes of Nathaniel Klein, and obviously, you know, wrote a story a few weeks ago. Liverpool listening to offers for Origi in January. Um, you know. Again, you know, they want twenty million for Rigi. I, I think, I think that's overly optimistic. I think, I think realistically, you probably get ten or twelve, probably because you know played played so little football um, of late. Um, and then you wonder, you know, obviously, you know, Dom Solanke. I was going to bring him up. He scored twice yeah. with the under twenty ones last night. <sighs> Yeah, he's had a you know not one minute this season. He had no. more minutes last season than Reese Nelson, um, Phil Foden. He wasn't far behind Jaden Sancho in terms of league minutes for Liverpool for what Sancho got in the Bundesliga. Not one single senior minute this season. Yeah, I anyway, he has he has gone backwards essentially. I mean, I think again, you know, similar to what we said before about Trent, you got you've got to kind of factor in how young Solanke you know is still and. You know, I think what did he make? Must have made twenty five appearances. Thirty. Was it last season? Yeah. Was it? Yeah, thirty. And you know, made made his full England debut, didn't he? At, um, at Wembley. Uh, you know, loads of opportunities for him in his first year at, at Liverpool. But it's yeah, he, he's been nowhere near this time around. I mean, obviously, Sturridge's resurgence has kind of knocked him knocked him down the pecking order. Um, you know, and then now suddenly Origi has been getting a look in ahead of him as well. So it'd be interesting because I don't. You know, he he desperately needs to leave Liverpool on loan you know I'd say you know, probably more than anyone he needs a loan in January but I don't think Liverpool could afford to get rid of him and Origi in, in the same window because you know you, you know you're only looking at you know, an injury to to Firmino or whatever and then you know and obviously the, the, the other thing that's up in the air at the moment is we don't know what's going to happen with Sturridge and, and the, the misconduct charge from the FA so um, you know we should know more about that in the in, in the coming weeks but you know if he was to get a ban then suddenly, you know, Origi or Solanke could 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 come in from the the shadows and have a part to play. I had a little look at Solanke before Connor, and um, it was actually around this time last year where he started to prove his worth, if you will, as a squad player. He, I think he made nine, seven appearances out of nine in the league during that run between the November international break finishing and you know New Year's Day. I think he started and pretty much played the whole game against Everton against Burnley. If he doesn't get a, a sniff over this next intense period of, of, of games over the next six weeks, surely it's it's got to be a loan for him. Well, yeah, exactly. You know, as James said, he's the player that most leads alone and it will do him good. There's a massive amount of games upcoming. You think if he doesn't play, then he's never going Barely to, essentially. Away. You know, Bournemouth away, yeah, you know, those type of games. Exactly Newcastle the games he's going to be coming in for if you think he's going to come in for any, isn't it? So, yeah, it's definitely... The time will tell over these next month or so. If he plays, then... Klopp might have a plan for him. If he doesn't, then he's, he's pretty much going out on loan, isn't he? Uh, okay, so that is with the current day. Um, so we can move on to last night, James. Um, <laughs> specifically, not not the after party, although we will move on to that. don't remember. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, be, be, before the uh, the mist descended, um, you were actually a fact in Liverpool City Centre, just off Bold Street, to, uh, to watch the Stephen Gerrard make his dream uh, film, is it a biopic? Is that what we're calling it? Yeah. Yeah, it kind of do- documentary. extended documentary of his of his life. Yeah, um, make a stream. It's, it was it was very very impressive actually. Um, you know, you kind of go in there thinking you know it's a difficult thing to do justice to. You know, the, what the remarkable story. Um, you know, in the life that that he's lived, but they've they've managed it. I mean, it's yeah, brilliantly put together by the same people that did um, Senna 
uh, Amy about Amy Winehouse and and Supersonic as, as well. Um, you know, it's an Oscar and BAFTA winning producer. Um, and yeah, it's you know I thoroughly recommend it. It's, I think it's at cinemas now, um, selected cinemas nationwide, and then it's going to be on Amazon Prime um, to, to to stream over over the coming weeks. And yeah, well, I think what I like about it most is you know it's pretty raw and emotional in terms of you know it doesn't try and sugarcoat anything. You know, it's it's not just a you know a, a kind of look at how brilliant Stephen Gerrard was. It's you know it, it's you know it, it's you know quite you know, you know sad and in places you know you think of you know all the ups and downs that he that he had you know it focuses on the turmoil of various times thinking that he'd have to pursue his dreams away from liverpool and you know and, and you know speaks you know some some you know some great stuff in there about from his family talking about stephen gerrard the person the man away from you know stephen gerrard the liverpool captain in terms of what it was like and you know at, diff- at different periods in his life um yeah, it's just got the slip in, hasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it, again, you know, it doesn't. You know, there's, there's no kind of like you know sugar coating of that, or you know, just a, a passing reference. You know that that's that's key to it as well, because you know he's he's had the the glo- you know he had the glorious highs of you know the the treble winning season, Istanbul, you know, the the FA Cup final against West Ham, and then yeah, those absolute crushing lows. You know, the lowest of which obviously was the the slip and. So, um, yeah, it, it just when I was watching it, you just you just thought to yourself, you know, wow, what a what an unbelievable career he had. You know, it's um, it's just just you know, absolutely, you know, I, I'm certainly the greatest player I've ever ever seen put on a, a Liverpool shirt, and um, just a great man as well. Um, yeah, thor- thoroughly enjoyed it, and you know, it it kind of makes the hairs on your back of your neck stand up because. Uh, you know, especially watching him in his prime again, it, it kind of makes you realise what uh, what Liverpool had. I think not got carried away last season, but you know the, the whole movement around Mohamed Salah last season was was incredible. James was on a Channel Four documentary for God's sake. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so as was Ian Doyle actually, but he, he was mainly on the cutting room they floor. They have been leaning up against the wall. <laughs> I needed a haircut as well. It was t- terrible. That that was a very hot, sweaty day as well, wasn't it, <laughs> it bro? Was. Um, you know, so you see that sort of thing, and and he's been, you know, couched as this worldwide phenomenon. But you know, Stephen Gerrard's just had a, an extended documentary, a biopic, whatever you want to call it, made about his his career and his life. You know, is it is, do we take Stephen Gerrard for granted in a way, and and you forget just what an incredible footballer he was? Because we talked about Trent before. I mean, Stephen Gerrard was what twenty three when he when he became captain of Liverpool. Yeah, twenty three. You know, at this age, at the age of twenty, Stephen Gerrard was 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 running the show in Liverpool's midfield. And you know, do we almost take it for granted? That have we almost sometimes need that little reminder of just what an absolute incredible player and person Stephen Gerrard was? Yeah, I think I think maybe is the answer to that question. I think you know, any Liverpool fan that's followed Liverpool for any amount of time, if you sat down and thought about it, if you sat down and had a proper chat with your mates about it you'd get into how just unbelievable and all of the things he gave to Liverpool didn't score tappings just, just, just outrageous like, screamers it's, yeah. it's, it's, top, it's, top, it's top 10 goals like the 11 to 15 would be number one for so many players yeah. in the world but this is it like you know when you actually get down into it and you start thinking about it or you watch a film and you're, you're just reminded of just purely the class and just the amazing man that he was um, I think sometimes when you just think, oh, Gerard, I know Anfield legend and you write it and you, it's almost like a little bit of a throwaway line, yeah. I'll be honest. Yeah. But, you know, the reminders are always there, aren't they? And we write stories about him. We, you know, he's always going to be a part of that. He's always going to be part of Liverpool Football Club's coverage. He's always going to be a part of Liverpool Football Club as a whole. And so I think, you know, despite the fact that we do sometimes need reminding of how truly superb he was, he's, he's always in the back of everyone's minds, isn't he? I mean, spoiler alert coming up. Um, when Liverpool win in Istanbul, um, you know he's playing right back. <laughs> he's, it's it's you you won't find many. You know I don't want to get into the the the, the art of comparing players, but you're not getting Frank Lampard playing right back in a no. European Cup final. You're not getting Cristiano Ronaldo doing that. You're not. I'm not saying he's necessarily better than Ronaldo over the course. Of, but what I'm saying is. For a player of what Liverpool wanted and needed for for fifteen years, he was exactly that, wasn't he? he was the embodiment of what Liverpool needed and wanted. Yeah, yeah. It was, it's funny because um, before the game last weekend, I met with Antonio Nunes, who obviously <laughs> was part of Benitez's squad, you know, in the the Istanbul winning season, and um, 
he he played at Real, Real Madrid with Brazilian Ronaldo, Figo, Zidane, Roberto Carlos, um, and he he said you know he said the most complete player I ever played with was Steven Gerrard because he said he could do everything. And when I when I tweeted that out this week, the you know I like you know, Real Madrid fans inevitably responded to you know don't you know don't be ridiculous. How can you compare you know Gerrard to Zidane or whatever? But I think Nunes is spot on because what you said, the most complete player. You're right. You know his skill set was wherever he played, he was the best player on the pitch. You know he you know the best right back Liverpool have ever had. You know the best became a holding midfielder towards the back end of his career, and and you know and was agonisingly close to winning the Liverpool the the Premier League title. He was he just had you know he was like if if you were making a footballer and. You know, and you're kind of like your, your dream footballer in terms of what he could do. He, he, was, he was Steven Gerrard, and um, yeah, it's, it's interesting in the film the, the turmoil that he, the, the, he, you really see that side of it in terms of what he went through in terms of the different times when he thought about leaving Liverpool, and you know, there's an emotional part in it with his dad, where his dad kind of obviously it had been announced and that he was going to go, he was, was going to go to Chelsea, and um, you know, he, and he said it was you know the conversation he had with his dad, where his dad said, you know. Yeah, you might you might go to Chelsea. You might win more trophies. You might earn more money, but the you know the people there will never love you like the people love you here. And you know, in the end, that was you know he he couldn't he couldn't kind of uh, break that bond. And the uh, you know that that's why he he belongs on a on a different level to anyone else for me because you're right when you when you it's easy to forget just how good he was, but also he played in a period where. You know, Liverpool weren't blessed with you know that many. You know, he played in a lot of average teams over those years, and you know, you think of Istanbul. You know, it was, you know that team had absolutely no right to win the Champions League that season, and you know, it, it would have been so easy for for him to to walk away. And but you know, the fact he didn't, you know, um, explains why he is held in in the esteem that that he enjoys uh, today. And you know, I I think we'll see him back at Liverpool one day. I think. Um, I don't think anyone's in any doubt where where he hopes to be one day, and it does feel like you know that is that is destiny in a way. I think you know whether it'll be five years, ten years, fifteen years. I, I think it will happen. I was just going to say, in the same breath as we maybe don't fully always appreciate exactly how good he was, in the same breath, it's just so difficult to pinpoint exactly how good he was for Liverpool over such a long period of time. It's just he just was everything to Liverpool, wasn't he? Like especially you got to think. For me, like growing up away from Liverpool, just looking in, just he was just you know the player you wanted to be, the player you grew up looking to. It's just yeah, just crazy what he gave to the club, really. But again, it, you know, just very quickly, we we talked about Trent and Carragher before about local players. You know, Steve Steve he had his critics, you know, throughout. You know, yeah. he, he had them, he yeah. had them from day one till to, and you know, I'm sure I was one of them at, at certain points in his career, but he, he proved everybody wrong. Yeah, there's some great bits in the film where you know they include like fan phone-ins. Of, of fans ringing in and absolutely slaughtering him, him and, you know, Gerard's a disgrace and, you know, especially about the Chelsea stuff about, you know, get that traitor out of our club. You know, there's footage of you know, his shirt being burnt yeah. outside Melwood, you know, mm. things, you know, you've just wished things like that could just be erased mm. from, from, from history, to be honest. But yeah, he, he had to put up with a lot. And that, yeah, as you, as you said, as we were saying earlier about Trent and Cara, just he, he he's probably, for Steven Gerrard, it, it was that times a million in terms of the scrutiny and pressure and expectation on his shoulders, and you know that that the fact that you know players would you know as well as fans, teammates would you know when Liverpool were in a hole, it was well, well come on then get us out of it, you know you're the, get this game going, yeah, yeah. You're, the, you're the man, you know without you know come on, you know, so it's up it's up to you and to to live with that for for so so long. Um, is unbelievable and the, the other thing I'd say about the film what I absolutely love was the footage of him as a kid obviously because Stephen gave it his, his full kind of blessing and, and, and help along the way there's some great footage of him playing for like Whiston Juniors as a as a kid and scoring 12 goals in a in a 27 nil win what a haircut yeah. that was, by the way. We all know the haircut <laughs> we're on about with Stevie. Yeah, he could only he could only have been maybe eight or nine years old, but it, it's, there's a yeah an unbelievable goal that he scores where he just like, drives away from a defender and a bit actually similar to the one he scored against Sheffield Wednesday actually. And um, oh, it was yeah yeah whether whether you, whether you can get get to see it in a cinema or on Amazon Prime when it comes out, it's um, yeah you, you won't be disappointed. 
I am disappointed actually that Doyle's not here because he would have undoubtedly told that story about Steven Gerrard, Jude Law and his <laughs> mini. Uh, maybe that's maybe that's one for the next time Doyle's on there. But yeah, a it, teaser. Yeah, yeah. Or give him give him a little tweet out and just ask him to uh, ask him about the time Steven Gerrard told Jude Law about Ian Doyle's <laughs> mini. And uh, but the other thing I would say is also that uh, what comes across in the film is the importance of having great coaches as well mm. and great influences. You know. Um, Dave Shannon and um, Huey McCauley were both at the premiere at Fact on Thursday night as well and you know they're both involved in the film in terms of talking about you know the, the Stephen Gerrard the you know the the young player that they spotted and and then Stephen himself about the you know the, the influence that they had not only in molding him as a player but as a as a person as well and it was a decent turnout Peter Moore was there uh, Michael Edwards the sporting director was there as well uh, Jamie Carragher Jay Spearing um yeah it was uh it was a good night who were you matching drink for drink <laughs> <laughs> the uh i was a bit kara got off relatively early actually yeah i, I saw was, i yeah. saw him about... um, he's by the live beards around 11 or 4 so right. that's all right pierce will be in bed by now <laughs> yeah the uh, problem <laughs> is I, later. <laughs> I, i've always had problems with walking away from a free bar yeah. <laughs> or, 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 or a non-free bar or one that you'd have to pay for <laughs> a bar we, we know that we know that uh well, we talk about the movie there. Uh, Blood Reds actually joined forces with Odeon Switch Island for an exclusive private screening of the Steven Gerrard documentary Maker's Dream next Sunday, November 25th at 6pm. James, you're going to be there, and so is Ian Doyle, apparently. Uh, you're looking at me like you didn't know this. <laughs> you're meant to be taking the kids somewhere <laughs> that night. No, seriously, James and Doyle will be there, and we'd like to see you join us. Uh, Odeon Switch Island has recently been kissed out with fully reclining seats and iSense screen. Ooh, and uh, a Dolby Atmos 3D sound, so we'll be taking advantage of those recliners. Uh, for those who <laughs> want to stay behind, it will be good to meet you, and we'll do a quick Q&A with anybody who wants to catch up, and you'll get a little blood red freebie on the night too. And I've seen the freebies, and they're very good. So please do come along. We've actually got 60 pairs of tickets to give away, and you can get your hands on a pair by answering the following question. And this question has only been released now on this podcast. So if you haven't listened to this podcast, you won't know. But obviously, you're listening to this podcast, so you, <laughs> so do you know. will know. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit like Inception, this, isn't it? The question is, who did Steven Gerrard score his first ever Liverpool goal for? Against, even, sorry. Who did, <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long pod. Who did Steven Gerrard score his first Liverpool goal against? Is it A, Everton, B, Aston Villa, or C, Sheffield Wednesday? Go to liverpoolecho.co.uk forward slash dream to enter so uh, that should be a good night um, it's the mini derby that, of, on that day I, I think it is it's the day after Watford um, and then the mini derby on the Sunday um, so yeah by all means there's the uh, competition details Switch Island Odeon Percy and Doily what more could you want that is all for today thank you very much for joining me James thank you for joining me Connor uh, no problem we will plough on through the international break and we'll be back on Monday with all the latest from Anfield thanks for joining us Listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.